Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode is brought to you by the great people at Gamesurplus.com, where you can find the current hits, the classics, and the hard-to-find titles. Let Carmen and Elaine find your games and receive free shipping for all contiguous U.S. shipping orders over $120. Remember, Gamesurplus.com. Great people, great selection, and great prices. And in Canada, amazing stories in Saskatoon. If you're in the Saskatoon area, come by the store for Friday night board games, play and receive 20% off the purchase of any board games in the store. Amazing Stories Comics is the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Retailer in Canada and nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Hey there, welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm, and on today's episode, Luke is going to take us through 18xx in 2018. What is a cardboard cohort? Well, cardboard cohorts are board gamers banded together who support and inspire one another and become colleagues and friends in the board gaming community. And with that being said, we would like to support the good, the bored, and the ugly. They have a podcast on iTunes and they record weekly live stream YouTube content. So please check them out. Well, welcome to, uh, we'll call it a special issue episode. And I just want to say first, a thanks to my regular co-host for providing a bit of a focused opportunity uh, for myself, as well as a few other friends here to nerd out about 18xx and train gaming in general. Um, so why why do we need a special issue episode, if we want to call it that? Well, I think uh, 18xx is a bit of a niche within this niche that uh, deserves more attention and also, I think, deserves to be made more approachable and accessible for the average hobby gamer. And so the focus of tonight is uh, from the three of our voices here, and I'll introduce these two, uh, two folks who are joining us. We're going to talk about our 18xx experiences in 2018 and a little look forward just to sort of give a, a bit of an overview of where this part of the hobby's at. Um, just, you know, for those of you who may be listening who are new to 18xx, just a quick dirty history uh 1829 is a title uh that was made in 1974 by a man named francis tresham and this is uh, uh this is one of the the all-time great designers who's uh impacted this hobby uh both in terms of uh sort of starting the 18xx phenomenon but also uh the designer of civilization advanced civ and the, everything that sort of emerges out of that as well um i think 18xx um, in terms of its historical impact has just shaped train gaming in general. And something I find completely fascinating is that uh, 18xx designs since the 80s and many of the titles through the 90s still hold up perfectly well today. And I think that's something that uh, I, th- I think I always want to shed a little light on is, you know, you don't always have to look for the new and greatest uh, hot 18xx. I mean, <laughs> if a print run of 200 can be called hot, but <laughs> but there's many titles to dig into. So, so yeah, that's, that's sort of where 18xx originates from. Um, this episode itself, who it might be for, gamers interested in exploring um, this part of the hobby, 
um, gamers already maybe dipping their toes in this current, uh, maybe finding it a little bit refreshing, but not sure if they want to jump in. And hopefully we'll have some conversation here tonight for those who are 18xx gamers and are always desperate to find a little bit more media <laughs> devoted to that specific bit. So yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to welcome uh, these two, let's call them cardboard foamers. Tony might have to <laughs> elaborate on that. Uh, yeah, so we'll, let's start off. Uh, Tony Fryer, uh, can you tell us a little bit, uh, maybe we'll start with how do you describe 18xx and uh, what do you find compelling about it? And you can do that in any order you like here. Okay, sure. Thanks. Thank you, Luke. Um, I like to describe an 18xx game um, in this manner. It, for me, they offer two things, depth and current. You know, as board gamers, we like to talk about the depth of various games and things. And certainly 18xx games have a lot of depth with the amount of planning and the length and time, the length of time that the game is going to engage with you. Um, letting those decisions, those heavy decisions kind of bear fruit and you have to work towards uh, making them turn out the way you want them to do. But, but these games also have a current element right like the water is deep but the water is running swift too and they have um varying currents right like one title might have a swifter current than another and i i think of the current as the players pushing the technology right the trains um and just driving the game along and you know having the requisite unfortunate perhaps business effect on the other players mm -hmm. um so those two things are kind of the you know, the core concepts to, in my mind of what 18xx games offer me. Um, and then with the, uh, with the shareholding, um, you know, it, it's really just a way for me to invest in the victory points that are being earned by another player in many ways. And so it's not just my victory points, but I'm, I'm buying shares in your victory points too. So, <laughs> you know, th those kind of things just make the, uh, the games very compelling to me. And um, I, I really love the amount of time, you know, three hours to 10 hours, depending on the title, that you, you are, are submerged in this game and mm -hmm. you know, watching the story unfold as the play goes on. Oh, that's, that's well said. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with those points, resonate with those points. So, Tony, thanks for, thanks for being a part of this conversation tonight. Um, also with us is Andrew Dennison. And uh, Andy, I'll pass it off to you. How do you describe 18xx and what do you find compelling about it um i tend to describe it kind of uh from the standpoint of it being you know an economic game um it's really about how you can make the most money uh given the tools you're given generally what i like to tell people too because if i find people have if they know about 18xx they typically have some stere stereotypes they're thinking of and so one of the things i tell them is like you know they're scared because they think of, you know, heavy and they think it's going to be really complex. The rule set, I mean, depending on which one you're playing, but if you're playing, um, you know, 1830 or somewhere close to that, like it's really not that hard of a set of rules. So I always tell them, I'm like, it's really not as hard as you think in terms of the rules complexity, but as to like, you know, when you did this turn one, that might have repercussions like turn six later on in the road. So it's really a heavy dose of planning and that kind of stuff. And just to tell them that, you know, there's going to be a, depending on the title, again, a fair degree of interaction that you really 
um this this is not your what people would call a multiplayer solitaire experience you're going to be invested in what people are doing what they're thinking um and, and you're going to be sitting there and doing that you know like tony said for three to ten hours um basically trying to figure out the path where they're going how they're doing uh how can i get ahead of them um and that kind of stuff so for me it, it just gives that time frame uh for those decisions to really come out um and then you know i also like to pe- tell people it's like there's you know really no luck so if you want to see how your decisions can affect a game state like everything that happens in 18xx happened based on a decision you made or uh based on a decision you made and then somebody else seeing that decision and thinking oh i can do this um you know within even playing a few titles that i started to get to the point where i could look back and go okay that's where i screwed up <laughs> like at the beginning and that kind of thing so that's that's kind of how i describe them it's going to be kind of um probably the term i use more is it's going to be economic warfare mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, well said. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, if I may also offer something here, uh, the way the way I've uh, sort of look at 18xx now is it has three very distinct interlocking systems, right? You've got the shareholding piece, you've got the operating piece, and you've got the trains or the technology. And this sort of triad works in such a way that I find so fascinating when you have three systems going at the same time. I think often when I've played a Euro game, you you sort of see two things. You often see an engine that you have to build and perhaps resources or other things that you need to get yourself there to move it along um, towards victory points and that sort of thing. But, but, but between the three systems, there is... Uh, a lot of colluding and there's a lot of uh, problems that can happen midstream. There's a lot of reaction that you have to have, but there's also a different one more layer of strategic thinking. And so, yeah, I, I think that I find really fascinating. I, I describe it in that way. It has three systems. It has, you know, this kind of tech tree that drives things, but uh, that's also what I find compelling about it. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we can all offer a little bit here and, uh, and get this uh, conversation going. I think, how we're going to start uh, is we're going to do a little bit of a look back into 2018. This is not necessarily 18xx published in 2018, um, but I think from the three of us, you know, we, we play pretty regularly, and maybe maybe as you share, you can sort of give us a little glimpse into uh, maybe the different formats that you play 18xx in, whether it's at conventions, whether it's at your house. Um, I know some of us, including myself, uh, play online as well, and so. Um, I think we're all, each of us are going to offer about, you know, maybe three different titles that we have been exposed to in 2018, whether that be a 2018 title or something previously. So I don't know. How do you, how do you folks want to do this? Should we uh, just go around and uh, banter about it as we go? Yeah, sure. Sounds good with me. Cool. Um, Andy, do you, do you want to start us off? Um, So where did we want to start with like titles we've exposed to this year or? Yep. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, maybe we'll hit up about three titles each that we've been exposed to this year. Um, specifically, you know, give a little overview, maybe some opinions on that game. And uh, the cardboard conjecture way is to sort of look at it as either a top shelf game. This is something that is going to stick in your collection forever. 
uh, a middle game, which is something, ah, yeah, I'll probably pull this out every once in a while, but I definitely want it here. Um, or whether it's a, a bit of a bottom shelf, maybe moving towards the trade pile. Um, or if it's a game that you haven't played enough and explored enough, which is often the case with 18xx, you know, mm. it's uh, it's just something that needs more plays. So, yeah, that's kind of what okay. we're doing. Right. Like, uh, one title at a time, go around. Yeah, sure. Let's do yeah, one let's title at a time. That. that sounds good. Um, yeah, so the one I think that I've been exposed to just in around the last year-ish um, is 1862. Uh, I managed to secure a copy of that for myself uh, several months ago and get that to the table. Um, 1862 is uh, basically, I'm going to put it this way, there's kind of two camps I like my 18xxs. I either like financial knife fights in a phone booth where you can just eviscerate someone on the stock market or i like just crazy complexity like everything but the kitchen sink was thrown into this thing um 62 falls in that second category quite a bit um the the way i describe 62 to people who are familiar with 18xx but haven't played 62 is um it feels like 62 was designed by taking every rules mistake somebody has ever made in an 18xx game and made those the rules <laughs> i mean it's like you know it's like what you don't calculate revenue that way oh you do in 62 uh, it's like oh god you know i can't do no no in that one you like almost anything's up for grabs um so you know it's got all the different capitalizations it's got different trains um, I really like it too. Cause it's got that nice tiny map where you're like in each other's face with tokening immediately. Um, but yeah, it, it's really cool. But I, yeah, I know GMT is, uh, redoing this one. So that'll be pretty cool to see as well. But yeah, no, I, I, I really like 62 just cause it's like I said, there's so much going on to plan and work with. Mm-hmm. I just played it uh, about 10 days ago. It's uh, so it's all fresh in my brain. Yeah. It's a cool game. You know, that GMT version is going to have a solo way to play. Really? Yeah. yeah. One, one to eight players. So that'll be, uh, I, I don't know how that's going to work, but it'll be interesting to look at. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure how you would work that either, but <laughs> let you go with the Callendale method where I think you have to have like split personalities. And- <laughs> yeah. 18xx doesn't usually uh, lend itself to fewer than three players. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in my experience, there there are some two player variants and uh, options I know, but uh, yeah, typically these games, just the, the level of interaction from from my perspective, just you know benefits having more people around the table. But I would say you know using your guys's rating system that for me sixty two I played mm-hmm. it enough to to confidently put it at what I would call the top shelf. Like at this point, if anyone's like, do you want to do sixty two? I'd be like, yes, yes, I do. Nice. nice. <laughs> Can you give us just a little bit of a uh, overview in terms of the time frame and like in terms of player count like tony you said one to eight (laughs) that's that's epically diverse so like what what are your experiences what sort of plays best uh with this game and what kind of time frame are people expecting Um, and 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 perhaps where does it fit on the uh should i be experienced or a newbie (laughs) scale yeah i think if for me like for for me in iowa like our group tends to be kind of small anyway so we generally play them at three, four. I found 62. I think I played it mostly at four. I think that works just fine for it. Um, it is for my group kind of like a medium length. I think it runs about the five, six hour mark. 
uh, for us, but we, we tend to like to keep things moving. So, you know, usually we're, for, we're forgiving about once or twice a game of you really sitting there staring at the board and working it out after that. It's like, come on, dude, we, we have families here that want us back. So, um, but yeah, I would say for me, right. We generally have done it. If we don't have to teach and everyone knows what they're doing, six hours and bang that one out. Um, this is actually, as far as who's it for, um, this is actually something I'm slightly concerned about with GMT doing this as their second title because they released 46, uh, which I thought is a fine way to start. Absolutely. But then if people who aren't 18xx or spot 46 and are like, oh, I love this, and like 60 do becomes their next step without any transition to that, they're going to look at it and be like, what have I gotten into? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is, like I said, based on looking at rules and so many other titles and just flipping it on its head. Yeah. And so if you haven't experienced, you know, mergers, if you haven't experienced um, – partial cap and full cap and some of these other things like i could see a lot of people being very overwhelmed by 62 if their first experience was 46 yeah yeah and the designer mike hutton is a little bit known for that i think he's 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 a a bit of a next level designer for sure Mm -hmm. you bet bet he is yeah well thanks thanks andy tony why don't we uh why don't we keep this this yeah sure sure um the title i want to talk about I was introduced to in uh, 2017, but got to play it several times in 2018 and really, really fell in love with it. And that's uh, it's 1824, and um, which is kind of the, the the shrunken down version of 1837, which in itself is a fabulous game, but it's also quite a long game. But 1824 takes all the best parts, adds in um, some, I think, pretty exciting things. And um, cuts it down to about four hours. So, you know, we played 1827 on a school night, or excuse me, 1824 on a school night with, with no problem. And um, it's, uh, it's a game by uh, the O&O games, you know, Orgler and, uh, oh, my God. Uh, Holy. Holy, yeah, there's the other O. <laughs> <laughs> that went right out of my mind. And, um, yeah, you know, I, the things I enjoy about it, it's really, I find the map to be fun. Um, to lay track on there, you know, trying to get your tokens into uh, uh, Vienna and um, Budapest and stuff like that. It's uh, it can be a bit of a, a challenge for some of the companies. So it's really fun to lay track. It's got mining companies as well as uh, the railroad companies. It's got uh, a mechanic that uh, I really, really enjoy. And that is the concept of national railroads where there's these little minor railroads that run, and at certain triggers in the game, uh, these three national railroads are going to form. And so, you know, you're going to get shares in them from uh, your ownership of these minor companies. But the other shares are available for sale, too. So, you know, there, there's sometimes a bit of a mystery or maybe even a, a bit of an investment struggle um, as to who's actually going to run the uh, mine or the, the national company. So I, I kind of like that that's a little bit opaque there. Um, it, it has some interesting technology things too. You know, the mining companies run these goods trains, which is a separate deck of trains. So you got your regular trains and you got your goods trains and they all rust on their own schedules. And so, um, there might be permanent, you know, people trains, but 
on on the in play, but the uh, but the permanent goods trains aren't aren't in play yet. You know, it's kind of it's kind of mm. the way that all works out. Um, one one of the cool things that eighteen twenty four does is export trains. You know, there's several games that have that mechanic where the, at the end of every set of ORs, a train will leave the game, right? And that could, you know, trigger a, a, a game phase change, um, but it also just keeps the game moving along. Mm-hmm. But in 24, the players can really help that along as well by mm. trading in trains. So you can you can trade a train in um, and you get you get a 50% of the of the trade in train towards the train of the next value. So like I could trade a two train in on a three train or a three train in on a four train. I can't trade a two in on a four. Oh, I see. Um, but, but then I, you know, I'm, I'm using some of the money I've, I've invested in the previous train to, uh, to kind of push the game along. So I find that uh, really, really interesting. So yeah, 1824 is a game I've really come to appreciate with several plays in 2018 and yeah. top shelf all the way, baby. That, yeah. It's a good one. It's hard to get, unfortunately. Hopefully that'll it's, change. It's, soon. it's hard to get. Yeah. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about your player count and um, yeah, sort of length of that? Well, you mentioned the length. It was a bit of a school night. Uh, yeah. yeah. When, when, when we're not teaching it to a new person, we get that banged out, you know, roughly four hours. Well, that's amazing. And, uh, typically I've played with four or five. Fantastic. That is one I have not played and I would love to. I have heard great things about 24 and hearing just some of the little details you've offered here. That's even more fascinating. I really, really enjoy it. One question I actually had, Tony, because I was thinking about when you talked about the exporting train thing, because that seems to be like a kind of a hallmark for double O games. Like a lot of them use that. Have you guys ever seen that in like other titles that aren't double O? Cause I'm, I don't know if I have or not. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Like 1822, you've seen it there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. But there are, there are other games that export. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean um, one note in terms of availability, I, I really wanted this game. So I emailed, uh, uh, not Orgler, not Lonnie, uh, Oli, <laughs> Helmet Oli. And, and he did. He he wrote back to me and said they're looking at a reprint in 2019, 2020. So, mm. hey, I don't know. It's not official, but it definitely was a bit of information that I'm hanging on, <laughs> hanging wow. on to because I look forward to that. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, um, if, yeah. If it's if you're going to have a new, give it a whirl. Oh, absolutely. It'll be top of my list there. Just... Yeah. So hey, I'll uh, I'll jump right on this uh, and do another double O title that I was introduced to this year. Um, and that I'm actually currently in a game of, which is 1848 Australia. Yes, yes, it is fantastic. Um, 1848, I think some of the neat pieces of this, um, it's it's set in Australia, Southern Australia in particular. It has a really smooth, in, in many of the, uh, the games where... Uh, you know, there's sort of dual gauge concepts in, in different games. And what they've done in this title is deal with dual and different gauges. Because I guess in Southern Australia, railroad history, there was uh, based on each of the provinces or the states in Australia. Um, 
they, basically the railroads developed with different gauges. And so one of the ways that they smooth this out in terms of gameplay is they, they sort of have the provinces colored. So a certain number of hexes will be this province and other cluster of hexes will be that province. And at each border, when you actually start linking track to one another, you have to put like a gauge marker on it. And essentially what that does is it eats up one of the stops that one of your trains has to make, which I think is so interesting because it's just a complete dud. And so if you're running, especially the early trains, the twos, three, even fours uh you know it's just such a pain and so each of the trains then in this game you can purchase either as a regular uh you know numeric train a two three four five that sort of a thing or you can buy it for a little bit more money as a plus train which means that you then get to skip one of those gauge um gauge changes and i think that little detail is is quite a lot of fun the privates in 1848 um are I think be listen interesting from ah, you know laying a, a port tile to uh, having a little discount on one of the late game two trains, which I guess is also another double O feature. They uh, I know in 1880 they also have these sort of uh, these these <laughs> you could say they're worse, but having a, having a little bit of a bonus train at the end for quite a bit cheaper value is is a real boon to your railroad. And so in 1848, uh, at some point in time, you can buy these. E trains, which run these special routes for quite a lot of money, sort of like an express train between these two different locations. Um, yeah, 1848 for me, when I was first introduced to it, the thing that probably captured my uh, attention the most was the Bank of England. Um, I don't know, have you, either of you actually played? I know Andy, Andy and I are yeah, actually. So I, yeah, I have yes. no. Uh, I've read the rules for the Bank of England, but like nothing has clicked as to how I need to be using that. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't have a lot of plays of this, but one thing that's really neat. So the Bank of England is just, it operates basically mechanically. You get a different kind of income for each share that you want in the bank um, based on the phase, whether you're in the yellow, green, or brown. Um, but there is some ability for players to manipulate this because as companies take loans, the share that you've bought increases in value. So for each company loan that's taken out over the course of the game, uh, you know, your investment in the bank becomes a little bit better and it will never go down. So it's a very, you know, conservative, positive investment in that sense. Um, the other thing is the bank, um, companies can go into, it's not a foreclosure. I forget what they call it. It's, it's that, that's sort of a concept or something receivership i think yeah which essentially means that these companies have gone bankrupt and the bank takes them over and their actual station tokens are flipped over and then the bank starts making based their basic income plus those station tokens that are out there and so i i know there are ways which i am not quite bright enough to do this but where you could run a company into the ground because you own a major portion of the bank of england and so you sort of benefit yourself from having actually you know sort of you utilized that train company's uh operations on the board to benefit the bank instead of itself it's it's just a fascinating puzzle to unravel so yeah 1848 do you uh luke do you enjoy the initial auction it's yes kind of the dutch auction it's really kind of cool Yes, uh, yes, it's it's a little different. That's for sure. Yeah, oh, it's, <laughs> I, it's quite yeah. unique. I think. Yes, very much so. Yeah, actually, I do like unique auction mechanisms as well. I think you know you'll you'll sort of see the the waterfall auction, the eighteen thirty auction, pretty ubiquitously with many titles. So it's yeah, it's fun to come across something that just sort of pushes pushes that boundary a little bit. So, um, in terms of length, eighteen forty eight played pretty smoothly. I'd say four hours tops. Um, 
maybe five. But I think if you got that thing uh, with the same group of players, you could probably get it down to even three hours. Like it, it hums along pretty good. Um, it's, you know, not an introductory piece. I would say you could probably have that as a next step 18xx. There's a few concepts in there that are um, unique, but there's nothing that's too too out there that I think someone with a, you know, a few plays of 1830, 1889, 1846 under their belt wouldn't be able to jump in and enjoy that game. Um, where to find it? Here's another one of these issues. Double O games are hard to find right now. Um, I have heard, I think it was on BGG, that there's, again, a possible reprint 2020 or so of 1848, but uh, that's just a uh, yeah, rumor mill at this point in time. So, yeah, and for me, uh, you know, based on the couple plays, uh, I probably don't know where to put it, but it's I find it so compelling. I would say it's like it's a top shelf 18xx to me. It's just a very unique title. So, yeah. Funny, uh, funny 1848 story. My mm-hmm. friend uh, Shingo lives in uh, Canberra, Australia, the capital, and he works for the government as a conservator in a museum. And uh, they actually have a copy of 1848, but they will no not way. let him play it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's all, ah! Nice. But he finally, he finally uh, wrangled the copy somewhere, I think. I saw him playing. So. Oh, that's great. Well, it's only increasing in value, so it's, it's a perfect museum <laughs> artifact. <laughs> everything out of the box. <laughs> leave them the box yeah <laughs> that's great well andy let's roll back to you all right um let's see uh probably you know i'm I'm gonna bring this one up just because i have some thoughts on it that are i think different than some of the other 18xx media there um which is 18 lily put mm-hmm. uh, so i man i've played this one a few times um, and here's my thoughts on it. Cause it, it, it's an odd duck, but it's a, come on. Is it Lonnie that does that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's got like square cards. There's no built map. It's based on this Gulliver, uh, Gulliver's travels kind of theme, which really the only part that I noticed much of the theme is like the giant hand handing you a train. Um, <laughs> So my thoughts on this game are this, and I think what I've noticed hearing other people talking about it. Um, if you're a diehard 18xx fan and you come at it from the 18xx perspective, it seems more often than not people have not really cared for it. However, if you come at it, I think, from a Euro background slash you're wanting to get into economic games and try an 18xx, most people I know of coming from that side of it have actually really liked it. Um, so I think this is divisive in that it's very much a hybrid uh, of some Euro mechanisms and 18XX. And I think the 18XX component of it is kind of played down into a way um, that Euro players could get into it, understand it, and not quite have as many sort of knives with the possibility of company dumping and all that kind of things with it. So I found like what I tried to do when I got it, it was really weird. I kind of fell into it because a friend of mine I play online with, like I wasn't originally going to get it because of the shipping cost. I just couldn't afford it, but I got it on a group buy. And so I'm like, eh, sure. Why not? Um, so I didn't really actually have any expectations when I approached it and as much as uh, like a lot of listeners to my podcast are like, Oh, Andy just plays 18 XX all the time. 
I wish, but no. <laughs> I play a lot of years, so I kind of came at it with not a lot of expectations. And then I think I kind of enjoyed it for what it was at that point. Um, but would I solidly say this is an 18xx game? I would say no. Uh, like it's it's very much a hybrid. So I think, like I said, the the people that have come at it from a lot of this strict 18xx background, it seems like more often than not, they, there's a lot of things they don't like. But I wanted to bring it up just because I think it's an it, it must be doing something right because a lot of people seem to really like it and a lot of people seem to really not like it, which in a game means it's causing conversations. <laughs> and and I haven't played it actually, which I'm I'm a bit sad about. But it's essentially action action selection meets eighteen right. xx sort of mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and. Uh, yeah, in the stock market element of it's pretty played down. Like, there's no possibility or way to dump a company. Um, I think it might be a little formulaic over a long haul, but they add some in modules into it and whatnot. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm happy I have it. I, I'm not opposed to playing it. But I think, you know, it, it really is meant uh, to play with, you know, people who aren't really into 18xx as their primary gaming experience. Um you know, a good example of that is if if you listen to Good Board Ugly, like I can get Joe to play it and he really likes it. So there's the reason for me to keep it. Um, so, you know, if if you've never heard of that, 18 OE, we broke him. He just got to the point where he's like, I, I don't care. Just take my poker chips. <laughs> I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a game that like he can kind of enjoy from the Euro perspective, but I can kind of enjoy both in a way from the Euro perspective and the 18xx perspective. And I think Mm -hmm. for that, it's good. Some people have asked, like, would it be a good teaching game to get people interested in 18xx? I would say no. I I really wouldn't go that route. I'd probably go 46 still. Hmm. Tony, have you played this one? I have. I've only played it one time, and we enjoyed our play. It was all 18xxers. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to play with... um, the, the terrain cards where you kind of lay them out. I haven't done that yet. That's really what I want to try. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a fun little game. Cool. And Andy, like uh, what kind of length are we looking at here? And I think it's quite available, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still available out there and whatnot. The, that's kind of the nice thing is the length is, I believe, uh, I want to say like 90 minutes, two hours maybe. I've heard some people like, like, cause I, I taught a group this and it was just like, bam, bam, bam. And we got it done in under two hours. Nice. Um, I know the first people that played this uh, in my area though, they're like, Oh God, that took like three, three and a half hours to which I was looking at it and go, how mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it wasn't, didn't seem that complex to me on that. But um, I think probably me teaching the group I did having a background in 18 XX, like I, I don't know. I was just able to facilitate it a little better. Um, but yeah, th- that's the other advantage to this one is, um, you know, like Luke, if you're in our situation where you're, you still have kids and your, your time's at a premium, this is mm-hmm. one that can give you an 18xx feel that you can get out on a normal kind of game night. You could probably, you know, talk some people who aren't like trained gamers into playing it and, and I think it's a little more accessible and universal in that way. Um, but it, yeah, like I, I, I almost wish in a way they didn't put 18 in the title. Like mm-hmm. if that makes sense, not mm-hmm. to miss it or any way, but I think it, it gave some people the wrong idea. 
Oh, that's a great observation. Cool. No, that's that fits a yeah, that fits a little niche in terms of game time and mm-hmm. I think that's something that's worthwhile even if as a partial stepping stone or this or that. I, it's it's cool that games like that exist, I think. So nice. neat. Neat. Tony, give us another one. Yeah, sure. Uh 18 Rhineland is um, a fun game, also a a school nighter. Okay. Um, you know, it's about it's about a 4 hour game or so. Okay, and, and who's uh, the who's the publisher here? This is uh, Marflow Games, so it's designed by Wolfram Janich, and uh, it's very easily obtained. You just have to order it from Germany, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. so, so go ahead and order a couple of his other games because they're good, and you know, save up on that uh, on that mailing cost. But um, yeah, Rhineland, uh, this was a gift to me from uh, Chad, one of my friends, and. Um, he hadn't played it either. And uh, he just took a flyer on it basically. And we set it up and played it and we're like, dang, this is a pretty cool little game. Mm-hmm. And um, what I like about it is again, fun map. As you can tell, I like the operational and I like stock market games, right? If a game has both of those things going for it, great. But if it's only got one, I don't care. I, I, I will enjoy the game. And uh, this map is really fun. Uh, one of the fun things about it is there's these three, they call them Rhine metropolis, and they're the big cities along the Rhine. And in the beginning of the game, there's no bridges across the Rhine. And then in the green phase, there's a ferry right there. And then there's a bridge in the brown phase. And it's got some interesting little tweaks on how those routes can go across the Rhine and everything. But um, super fun because those are obviously going to be strategic points for your tokens for your railroad stations yeah choke points um yeah and and it you know along those routes there that's that's you're going to engage in some token wars and it's kind of fun to like figure out how to get around things uh when you don't get there on time with a token because you know eventually you're trying to set up um what apparently according to the rules are um described as a very historical route called the rheingold express uh, and uh, so you're trying to get an eight train in your company. The eight number eight train can run this Rheingold Express and, and make some seriously good cash. So um, it's fun to kind of like, you know, plot out, you know, which companies are going to be successful at building that route and then actually buying the train. But it has this unique um, aspect to the train rush where the, the permanent trains, the five train, the six train and the eight train could all be available simultaneously so when someone buys the first five train the sixes are now also available when someone buys the first six train the Mm -hmm. eights are now also available and the eights kill the fours and the sixes kill the you know so it's this yeah it's it's really really kind of neat because um it definitely opens up some more possibilities of buying the right train to um hurt some of your competitors and uh I find it to be um, seriously fun. You know, like I remember the, maybe the second time I played it, you know, like uh, my friend had a company that wanted an eight train, but he also had a a couple of four trains and, you know, and like buying the eight would kill his four, you know, so it was like this dance and stuff. It was really, really a fun game, short, um, interesting map. It's um, an incremental capitalization game, which I always find somewhat interesting. Yeah. And uh, school night length, uh, you know, for me, definitely top shelf and uh, worth the uh, transaction to Germany to oh. uh, pick that one up. 
That's not a wonder. Cool. It's a wonderful review. I uh, yeah, I've played a few Marflow games and they're, they're good. Yeah, and uh, like you said, accessible. And I think that's something in the 18xx world that uh, is quite neat. Marflow's prices are, I, I think, kind of ridiculous. Like they're they're great. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Even when you consider the you know exchange rates and those sorts of things, so yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I guess it's back to me, isn't it? Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, I'll share about another one that I've played. I, I've played it uh, two, three times this year. It was eighteen seventy nine, and uh, this is originally a winsome eighteen XX title. Yeah. So. Winsome Games, for those listeners who might not be aware, um, are these sort of subscription only. You get like a pack of, is it usually five? Three. Five different, three. Three different titles. And not always an 18xx, um, but sometimes an 18xx. And uh, 1879 was one of those 18xx. In which uh, year pack was that, actually? I'm, I don't know. It's probably been five years or so, maybe. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think it is uh, it's Eddie Robbins. Is that right? Designer? Possibly. He's done a number for Winsome Games. I'm just looking this up here. Yeah, it's an Eddie Robbins design. He's also done 1868, 1859, I do believe, and the new 1834, which are all Winsome Games. And, and Winsome, um, you got to know, are just sort of the, your... different take on 1830 essentially they're pretty minimalistic uh the expectation is that you own the 1830 tile set (laughs) and likely the trains as well um i mean you know you can probably hack up some trains pretty easy but the tiles aren't you know you need a tile set to be able to play this game and um actually currently uh all Aboard Games has also done a bit of a reprint on this one. So it's kind of a nice one to talk about because it is readily available. Where, whereas previously with uh, the Winsome model, you know, there's only X number of copies that you're going to be able to, <laughs> that are getting pr- uh, produced each in, in that packet. And that's about it. So um, unique things about 1879. I actually think it may be, maybe one of the best teaching games um, for an 18xx and in part because there's actually no private companies in this game and that just removes a layer of complexity right off the start where people don't know how to evaluate or judge or or understand how to utilize these things often i i find privates is a fairly complex thing of knowing when to cash in and make the money from your company buying it off of you um when to use its power all these kinds of things and how much to bid for it in these opening auctions which is partly why um you know a waterfall auction where each player basically gets to go around and around putting a bid on something and then there's often a a fight over certain things new players don't know how to evaluate that so i really appreciate that there's actually no privates and when i first played i thought this is probably not going to be that interesting right like without privates you know you don't have that extra layer of making some capital (laughs) the early part of the game but it was actually fine and i i found it quite interesting without them in part because you focus so much on the companies and i think one of the reasons the no private auction works in this game in particular is that there are three companies that start this game on the eastern edge of the board and they're all like a hex away from each other and so being a hex away from each other it's not like you're having a private auction at the beginning but that opening stock round is very important knowing first of all which which company you want because typically i've seen all three of those companies start and the parring challenges knowing which value to par your company at 
so that you will operate perhaps after or perhaps before one of the other three is completely uh, one, one of the key puzzles of this game. And w- what does happen is when all three companies are operating, as you know, with many of the operations games, you are helping each other out along the way. And so there's a cooperative aspect. I, I found in our uh, four-player games of this that that fourth player who didn't get one of those three companies on the eastern edge is just fighting to try to make money because it just takes too long for them to uh, eke stuff out and uh, get more tokening options and that sort of a thing. The the other companies that are available are in the southeast and the southwest. And something I find, again, this just lends itself to a teaching game. And you're using the 1830 tile set. The southeast and southwest companies have to deal with the double O tiles. And so, you know, one of the things in terms of learning 18xx is learning the progression of the dits and the double dits and the double O's. And it's not something that's super intuitive. Honestly, I've, I've tried to explain how tile sets work and you have a cheat sheet and that sort of a thing, but unless you sort of practice and you just kind of hash it out a little bit, um, you don't always know how to, (laughs) how to work around those double O's in ways that will benefit your company. And in fact, often you end up kind of (laughs) new new players will token themselves in weird ways with double O tiles, (laughs) not make the best use of it. And so I actually find 1879 provides, players with that sort of like first level concept of track building with double O's because if, if a player is going to be running one of those companies in the southwest or southeast they're just going to have to figure that out you know those sort of like little infinity loops going through those double O's to make their money it's, it's actually a, a neat little puzzle and so while it's not overly complex in terms of the route building I find it quite compelling where you have uh, competition up in the eastern edge and then you've got these sort of puzzles to work out on the bottom southern places so it's yeah it's, it's a fun game it's got the the basic 1830 stock market but it's brutal uh, especially without money going towards privates there's a lot of capital that you're throwing at companies and which means that companies are going to potentially be capitalized quite high. There's going to be a lot of money for trains. The trains can rust faster than you have ever thought they would. And uh, so it can be, I think, if you're playing uh, in that in that vein, quite a harsh and <laughs> punishing uh, game. I, I should say the one other sort of key piece is the mid-late game rush to Seattle. So most of these companies start on the eastern or southern edges in Seattle, sort of that you know northwest uh, corner of the board, but nobody starts even close to that. And so there's a bit of a tokening game that you have to play in terms of uh, making sure you secure the, the best route to Seattle. And, and that's the, the New York tile in 1830. So it's sort of your big bonus. And one of the interesting things that this game does also is our, the home locations are um, only accessible to the company itself. And it will mimic or sort of basically take on the value of the highest valued city in the route that you're running with that train. So if you run to your home location and you run to Seattle, for instance, that home location will be the same value as Seattle. And so that makes that rush to that place and the tokening war all that more interesting. Again, first level concept, great teaching game for that. I have have a lot of good things to say about 1879. And from my, uh, you know, sort of browsing of uh, the work that uh, Scott Peterson's done with All Aboard, it's beautiful. They've done a great reprint. I would say this for me is, again, another top uh, top shelf game, in part just because it works on so many levels uh, for new players and, and for experienced players who want to work through those basic concepts. It can be an extremely challenging and tight game. And uh, honestly, I think probably plays in about two and a half hours. Uh, yeah. 
potential to end on bankruptcies, which is also another learning aspect. So fun. <laughs> 1879. That's cool. I really like uh, Winsome and how they play on the 1830 thing, right? Because 1830 is ubiquitous in our collections. You know, if, if, if you've played 18xx games for any amount of time, you probably own 1830 or, or have access to it. And so, you know, um, it's easy to sit down at the table and you already kind of know how to play, right? You just have to know, okay, what are, what is the special twist in this particular winsome version of 1830, right? Whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, 50, uh, 57 or, or 79 or, or what have you, 34, right? They're all kind of based on the same rules with just some little flavor, some little change that mm-hmm. uh, is hopefully going to add some interest to it. So yeah, it's, I, I applaud winsome for what they've been doing. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, well, let's do one more each, and then I think we'll move on to our sort of looking ahead part. Well, actually, we're going we're gonna to hit a few more tiny little bits on the looking back at 2018, but we'll, we'll do one more title here for good measure. So, Andy. All right. Um, so I just realized kind of what I did. So I'm, I'm going to stick with my theme I inadvertently started on. So <laughs> I went with one I really like, one I'm kind of like, eh, it's fine. Um, and now I'm going to go one uh, that I was kind of like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> we tried it, it. I don't know if there's any physical copies available of this, but it's on the <clears throat> online format I tend to play on. But we tried Fourth Age, which is 1870 meets Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Here, here we go. <laughs> I just shot myself in the head. Yeah, no, it was, um, and it's really weird too. Like, like eighteen seventy is not my favorite game to begin with. It, there's a lot of people that like it, and I still need to know why. But, um, but yeah, with the fourth age one, it, it was kind of weird because the way they do it is they just kind of amp the special abilities. So when you get to your destination, like you get a special ability for private, you get a special ability for each company, and then when you hit your destination, like some have historic destinations um when you get to there then you get another activated ability um i found kind of the map hard to navigate in in this one a bit um it was seemed really hard to me to like set up any routes that were worthwhile anywhere um because middle earth doesn't actually have trains and yeah that's it um powers were just a little bit weird the the only one i thought about starting just to try it for fun uh was you can start like the mordor railway which is orcs um and their special ability is downgrading so like oh i connected to the best city in the game you downgrade it because the orcs attacked (laughs) yeah it i'll just leave it with it was a thing i did it i did it we don't need to do it again though (laughs) I, you know, you got to applaud the creativity, right? Right. I mean, that, that's amazingly, yeah. amazingly cool. And I love Lord of the Rings stuff, but yeah, there's no yeah. change there. So, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's one of the most odd mashing of themes. Oh, that's funny. It's funny. So, yeah, maybe we don't need to talk about availability <laughs> or. <laughs> no. Nah. Well, and it's really hard to figure out anyway, because even on board 18, it's not like you have a readily accessible rule set to it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, one guy in our group somehow hunted down a description of the privates and stuff. Okay. And we kind of like 
intuitive to the rules based on 1870 after that. So, yeah. Yeah. It, no. You know, who's I the actual it. designer for this one? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Who's the actual designer here? I honestly don't know. It don't just, know it's it. like mystery. Yeah. As far so, as I know, anyway. It's a but, pseudonym. It's probably Frodo Baggins, right? So. Yeah. Frodo Baggins. <laughs> well, you know, the Hobbits invented golf, right? So maybe. <laughs> right, maybe. Right. <laughs> maybe it's Eddie Robbins. Wait a minute. No. A friend of mine thinks that Eddie Robbins and others are pseudonyms for John Bohr. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Eddie but, Robbins, uh, yeah. 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 So I, even on one play, I would probably put this one at a at a bottom shelf level. It's like, okay, that was neat. You tried a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, well, you know what? I'm glad you I'm glad you shared that at least. It's it's neat to shed light on just how uh diverse <laughs> this part of the hobby is. Like there are people out there making games that mix Lord of the Rings and 18xx, right? <laughs> Fascinating. Cool. All right. Well, you ready Tony. for my last one? Yeah, I, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm not I'm not uh I'm going top shelf all the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm at the bar, I want to order off the top shelf. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game's release later this year. Uh, I was fortunate enough to last year at HeavyCon uh, get a preview copy, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it, but a playtest copy, but it's 18 mm-hmm. Chesapeake from all aboard games mm-hmm. designed by, by Scott Peterson. And this, this has become my go-to teaching game. And, and I do teach a lot. And so that's why I got a copy um, and was one of the, one of the, you know, many, many play testers out there. And um, this is, this is just, I think a great teaching game. It's, it's also a short game, you know, like four hours um, plays two to five. I think, well, at all those counts. Yes. Hmm. Two. I played it several times with two players Um. It's you know Scott is doing a uh, a regular production run. I don't know what the right phrase for that is, right? You know, because he's like a boutique producer where he makes those games by hand. But this he's having this game professionally printed, and uh, it's going to be out later. And I really wish him massive success with it because I think it's going to be a great hit uh, for all those people that bought eighteen forty six and are looking for the next thing. Uh, check out eighteen Chesapeake. You know, it is based on eighteen thirty. It's on a really, you know, a, a smaller map, um, and it's got all of 1830s rules, and it's got a couple of the edges sanded off. I think is the way Scott describes it, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But, but he he the way he was describing it is he wanted to leave some of the complexities of 1830 in there, like the waterfall auction and the 1830 tile set, right? Which is a bit restrictive, right? Because he wants players to learn that stuff. Okay, he wants people to begin to be exposed to that and 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 come to understand that. And yeah, it, it's it's super fun little game. It's really really tight. There's lots of uh, cool opportunities in there and for learning all kinds of things. So yes, the waterfall auction. Yes to those tile lays. Yes to 1830s stock market, which is you know a little can be rough, right? And um, yes, companies can be dumped on you. Um, you know, if you if you own two shares, you know that just means you're willing to be the president of the company, right? So if you're, <laughs> if you're not, just don't own two shares. Um, but one of the cool things is there's a little more money in the game, and so 
it's it's very unusual for someone to go bankrupt. What's going to happen more likely is you're going to buy trains out of pocket. <laughs> when your company can't afford a train, you're you're going to have to pony up as the president some cash to buy it a, a a train, right? And often in this game, you're going to want to engineer that, which is another <laughs> thing that teaches people how to time when to engineer a train purchase, right? Like I'm purposely going to leave this train, this company without a train so that I'm forced to purchase a train for it using some of my funds if the company doesn't have enough, right? Um, and then also it also teaches uh, briefcase. There's a couple of companies that, mm-hmm. that um, depending on how the game comes out, um, are amazingly cool for briefcase opportunities. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just quickly explain what's a briefcase? Oh, sure, sure. In, uh, in 1830 and in 18 Chesapeake, as a result, if a company... If a train company does not have a route upon which to run a train, it's not required to have a train. So sometimes a player might start a company and, um, you know, in 1830 games, the companies are fully capitalized, right? So if I buy six shares, I get, you know, 60% of the company, but I get 100% of the capitalization. So there's some free money to be had there. And then, you know, depending on circumstances, you're probably going to divest a little bit of that company, you know. Um, so you, that you're not stuck with uh, 60% of a company whose share prices are falling, and but they're falling because you never intend to run trains with that company. You're going to use that money that you've capitalized it with to buy trains that you're going to turn around and sell to your other companies that really need them. And hopefully, uh, nobody builds track to your company, and you're not forced to you know shift the train over or buy it a train, you know things like that. But those things do happen. But you know, for, for at least some period of time, you're kind of, uh, you know, taking advantage of the marketplace by um, getting that capital from the bank, using it to support your other companies and, um, you know, accepting a declining investment for some period of time. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm very excited about this one. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be quite good. Cool. And maybe we'll, uh, we'll circle around to talking about that in the looking forward to section as well. Even the, even the uh, grognards, shall we say, that, that I play with, they like 18 Chesapeake too. So it's, it's not just a learning game. It's just a fun game. Absolutely. Absolutely. These uh, shorter, if you want to call them, you know, pared down, simplistic are often, you know, there's some beauty in the simplicity that you can work out that is, is quite, quite nice in these games. That is correct, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the long ones. I love the short ones. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'll, uh, I'll close this off here with this first bit uh, looking back with uh, another top shelf. So I guess I went top shelf all the way as well, Tony. Nice. <sighs> Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. So, <laughs> um, this year, I was very thankful when I ordered, uh, actually, this was a while ago, when I ordered 18CZ. Um, I also packaged along with that a copy of 1880 China. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got 1880 China to the table three times this year, which for me, <laughs> having kids and it being, I'd say, you know, within the eh, six to seven hour range uh, was it was a pretty big deal to get three games of that in. And uh, 1880 is fascinating. It's totally fascinating. Uh, things I like about this game, um, I, I should say first of all, it is a primarily or probably uh, you know it's more operation centric 
Oh, yeah. um, it's it's very interesting. Tony, I know you said you like a good map. This map is great. I love this map. There are so many little bits to work out. There's so many interesting dynamics, one of them being uh, foreign investors, which essentially kind of act like destinations, but also operate kind of like minor railroads. And when you link up your rail network with your foreign investor, there's this like shot of capital that your company gets, which is just, it's a neat timing exercise to say, Hey, when do I want this? When do I want my main company to sort of benefit from this foreign investor that's been doing a little bit of rail work, not only capital, but also perhaps expanding my network, giving me a token. Oh, it's super exciting to work that puzzle out. Um, I like a lot about the way companies start. Um, First of all, you have a variable president's share. So <clears throat> in most games, the president's share is worth 20%. In this game, you choose at the time of founding this company, whether it's 20, 30, or 40%. And that's great because this game has a really interesting dynamic in terms of certi- certificate limit, which is another aspect of, I think, at most 18xx games I've played. There's a few that sort of do away with the certificate limit, but it's, it's, um, it's kind of this governor on uh, players' ability to invest. So you really have to make wise choices. You can't just keep buying and buying and buying certificates and companies. You have to choose wisely as an investor into other people's stock. And what 1880 does is because it has a limiter, let's, you know, dependent on player count, there's a different limit you have. Um, getting a president certificate that's worth 40% means that you're running potentially two or three certificates more than other players at that point in time, right? And so that little puzzle is really fun. But along with that means that you're going to have a bit of a drawback because if you, the higher the share uh, that you, or sorry, the higher the president's certificate, the the fewer phases that you're going to be allowed to build in with that company. And so again, it ties in uh, floating a company to the board again. And so what this game does is it, it, it forces you into uh, accepting permits for building. And so, you know, most 18X games uh, work on phases. And so this just governs it and says, well, you can only build now in the C phase or the D phase because you've taken a higher president's share. There's half capitalization, which is quite fascinating until the 50% of the company's bought. So it's kind of like a mix between incremental and full cap a little bit. Um, there's a communist phase midway through the game, which just is really fun. Uh, again, a timing puzzle to work out. How am I going to say, like, get my company to potentially save their uh, position on the stock market while making their money to potent, like after the communist phase, invest in trains, trains, trains. And I've seen a couple games of this now just go crazy after the communist phase. It just absolutely explodes. Um, so I classify this a bit like it's an operation-centric game, but it's also an investment game. It's not a stock trashing. It's not like super manipulate the market kind of a thing. But because there are on the stock market bonuses given for companies whose values go higher, um, it really means that you need to know how to read and how to time the purchase of other people's shares and connect that in with, again, the certificate limit and all those things. It just makes for a fantastic game. I don't have enough good to say about this. Seriously. It's just, yeah. You know, two more things to mention about 1880. Please, please. It is freaking amazing. Um, It also exports trains. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, the stock. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, the the fact that the uh, stock round occurrence is a little bit non-deterministic is. Yes. Yes. Really, really, really cool. And 
you know, when we've been talking about player count, I avoid anything greater than five players like the plague with the exception of a handful of titles. And I just recently, like last month, played 1880 with six players and was blown away. Man, it was mm. like, it was so amazing. And I think we actually played it faster than with four. Cool, cool. Yeah. And it, that might be because of the train purchasing. Train purchasing and everybody starting companies, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. was just, it was a really great experience. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, it's a great game. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll look forward to uh, tabling it again. It's usually, for me, it's going to have to be an event just because of its length. But it's one of those ones that is worth the event, right? Yeah. <laughs> hit it hit it up at a convention, hit it up on a weekend that's special or something like that. Yeah. So, so I hear that's getting a reprint too. Okay, great, yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Thanks, guys, for sharing some of your, uh, yeah, your, your favorite plays of 2018 or favorite games that you've either been introduced to or had an opportunity to play again. Um, before we round up the uh, looking back section here, I just wanted to, let, let's, let's just integrate this all together here. What, what, what would you think? Because for, for me, 18xx isn't just about playing fantastically almost perfect mechanical games <laughs> because they're interesting and they're compelling. But I also play because I really enjoy the experience I have with the people that I'm playing with. And I think what 18xx does really well is it forces player interaction in ways that make the experience um, just dynamic. Like I'm, and, and, and that's what I love about playing with new players. I learn new things. I have laughs. We, we end up in crazy situations. And I love playing with the same players because we start to learn each other and try, try to, you know, pull the wool over each other's eyes and those sorts of things. So I wanted to just, you know, get from each of you, what was the best 18xx experience? And that could have been a particular game, a weekend. It could have been something at a convention. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. Tony, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. You look eager. <laughs> well, you know, I thought about this for a bit and um, I don't really want to, well, I am going to call out one particular experience because, but it really just plays into the overall concept and which really, you know, you segued me right in, right? Because it's about the people. I don't play online. Number one, I don't have the time. Number two, I want to be physically at the table with you because I, that's what I really, really enjoy is the people. And my, so for me, the most memorable thing about 18XX in 2018 is it's my circle got bigger, man. Hmm. Um, and in such a fabulous way. So um, like I met a guy uh, online, uh, lived up in, lives up in Wyoming and he comes to Denver once in a while. And so, uh, and he wanted to learn. So uh, I said, you know, online, I, I didn't know this guy. <laughs> yeah. Come on down. Let's do it. Right. And um his name's Nick. He's, he, he's a fabulous guy. And, um, and he's learning these games and, and he's just taken to it like a duck um, on water. Right. Um, my friend, John just lives like 10 minutes away, met him through a mutual acquaintance here, introduced him to 18xx games, you know, just a, a great dad, great guy. Uh, Vince met through the same friend, you know, he's been a fabulous guy to play with. Uh, Dominic also up in, uh, in, um, Wyoming, you know, Michael Carter, who Andy knows from, uh, from Iowa there. Um, he really, oh man, the, the, the hook got sunk deep in that guy's <laughs> cheek, man. And he He's is like designing his own now. Oh man. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's a great guy. Um, um, and then, uh, my friend Josh, but I'll talk about Josh in a different way here. 
because uh, I met Josh because Randall, a friend of mine in Chicago, uh, was about to take um, a new job. And he's like, Tone, I need to get out of town for a long weekend before this new job starts. What if I come to Denver and we arrange like a big 18XX weekend? I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> so twist so my arm. And um, so, you know, it was great to see Randall again. He, you know, he's he's a cool guy, and I've, I've played games with him several times in person. So it was great to do that again. Um, and, you know, this funny story of he was about to come here, like I think it was the weekend before, and he was talking to his friend Josh, who they play games with out there. And he's like, and Josh is like, yeah, I'm moving to Denver. <laughs> I was like, what? So Randall flew in and Josh had just moved here. So Josh came up and now Josh plays with us regular. I mean, you know, just the way that you fall into these friendships and stuff around the table with these silly mathematical games. Um, that That's really what it's about for me. And it, 2018, just having my circle get bigger and meeting a lot of cool people, um, that's really just the most memorable thing about 2018 for me in this genre of games. Silly, I know, but that's me. I'm silly. I'm corny. <laughs> Cor- Corny's also good. So yeah. <laughs> if, if I may, I'll jump on that too, because mine uh, is, is almost identical. I, I think the way you phrase it, my circle got bigger. I, I, I feel that way as well. I, um, you know, I'll, I'll give a bit more of a detailed plug for Hatanuga, but it's this, you know, annual uh, 18xx convention and, um, I've, I've been twice, we've had it twice, and I've made genuine friends through this convention, right? Um, people I keep in contact with, uh, we, you know, people that I'm excited to see <laughs> the next time at this convention. And that's something that's really cool. It's like, there, there's, you know, you have close, intimate friends, but there's something really important about having peripheral friends in your life that you know you're going to see regularly and that you share common experiences with. That's just something that we lose out on when it comes to our very mediated lives, right? And something that 18XX does really well is bring people to the table together. And that's what I really like about Hatanuga, a convention like that. I know that, hey, I bet I'm gonna see the same, like, you know, there's there was 35 people there. I hope I see that those same 35 plus a few more coming up because I got to know these people and I'm excited to get to know them a little bit better and share some more time at the table with them. Um, at Hatanuga this last year, uh, I ended up sitting at a table with three guys who came out from Seattle, which was fantastic, right? These are new guys to 18XX. They literally, I think, Googled like 18XX conventions and came across ours in Canada. And these guys decided to do a road trip up to Medicine Hat. And they did. And they, I know. And they came up and they brought energy and they brought fun. And I, you know, I played a game of uh, 1893 Cologne. It's a Marflow game as well. Yes. You know, there's not necessarily anything off the wall exceptional about this game, but we had, that's got to be one of my favorite games of 18xx of the year because a company, you know, traded hands three times and someone like verge of bankruptcy and we're laughing and just having the greatest time together. Right. And we're, we're coming together across like thousands of kilometers and we never met each other before. And it's just, it's a really cool thing. Um, I'll also say that, um, you know, whenever I'm traveling, <laughs> I was just recently out uh, for holidays in, in Vancouver area with my sister. And you know what? I'll, I'll look up 18xx players through Board Game Geek or this or that. I ended up meeting a guy named Paul because he posts often on uh, BGG that they're playing 18xx, this and that. And I went over to his place and we just had a great time, you know, awesome. made another new friend. Awesome. Um, 
and and I'll I'll even extend it to Tony. Um, I have actually found genuine uh, connection with people through the online 18xx uh, gaming. Andy can probably you know fill in a bit more if he wants to, but uh, we're we're both part of a a Slack group that uh, regularly has a few games on the go, and it's not just having games on the go. We have a couple you know threads that are non game related, and that is just as much fun. Just hearing what's going on, uh, you know, what crazy snowstorm are you encountering? <laughs> How's life? How's work? How are the kids' things going? It's great to see pictures that we post once in a while of things. And it's like, that's cool. That's actually really cool that uh, we've created space and all because of the shared interest and uh, connection around 18xx and the desire to like have it be a part of our lives fairly regular. And that's, that's something that the online can offer that I find kind of neat. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> oddly enough, I probably text more with these guys than I do with most of my friends around here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right on. So Andy. Yeah. So um, I'll just echo kind of what you guys said. Like I I don't have any. Oh, well, I do have one slight standout moment. I'll bring <clears> that up in a minute. But yeah, the online thing has worked really well for me because if you have kids, finding just a solid block of six to eight hours is when you could do it great, but it's not a regular deal. Um, mm-hmm. But you can still set up a good community online. So kind of what we did is like the first time we did it, we did it via email. Now just, no, like it, it was very mechanical. It didn't really feel, you know, it felt like you're playing an online game. Um, So we ended up setting up through Slack and that really changed everything because now it was like almost more, you know, instantaneous response kind of things. So we, we tried to also kind of foster this banter that you would see if you were to play with us at a gaming table. So, you know, someone's like, I'm selling this stock. And you'll be like, dang you, <laughs> you know, and we'll type that out and just give each other crap and a hard time. And so we try to foster as much of a, a tabletop experience as you can with that format. Um, but probably my standout fun in the last year or so was, um, a buddy of mine who's probably the other most solid 18xx player in our in our area, uh, Trent, who's also on my podcast. Um, his wife kept kind of looking at these like, "Why are you playing these?" But at the same time, Trent, like, I can see her starting to like, instead of looking at it with like, "What's wrong with you?" A little more like, "Well, you put what? What's with these? Like, why are you playing them so much?" And so, like, I got to. Um, teach her her first game at, at our board game it was 1889 um it got to kind of coach her through it and whatnot and yeah she had a really really good time with it um really enjoyed it really kind of saw what we were doing and all of that kind of thing um so that's kind of good anytime it, we'll put it this way there's there's a lot of like talk in board gaming where they're like everyone should play gateway games because you got to bring people into the hobby like i don't agree with that but if anyone says like, hey, I really want to try one of those oddball train games you play, golden, like I'll teach anybody anytime who's interested and have a great time doing it. Um, and that's kind of my outreach. But it's always nice when you kind of hook someone new. And I guess the one thing to kind of tell people out there is there there is a bit of a stereotype of what people think of when they think of as a train gamer. Um, I had those once upon a time, I'll admit. But for the most part, like everyone I've met has been incredibly pleasant individuals uh, <laughs> who just want to have a good time, um, you know, and that kind of thing. So I don't know. 
I've never encountered any anybody playing 18xx games that I wouldn't genuinely like to sit across from the table again and play games with. Um, and, and most people, I think, are friendly and they want to they want you to be excited, like they're excited, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, I think probably the magical moment for train games too is if you can find someone who also knows the history of the area the title takes place in that could just be so golden when they're like, Oh yeah, that line can do that because of this thing that happened in the past. Like I, some people get annoyed by that. Like I dig it. Like I want to, Oh, it's so much more fun. It enhances everything for me um, (laughs) when that happens. But yeah, you know, if you're intimidated by people, I guess as part of this, or you think something weird, just don't be like the vet. Yeah, there's some bad eggs out there, but there is in Euro games, there is in American games, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, the vast majority of people are genuinely nice, friendly, awesome people that just just want to make other people as you know enthused as they are about it. Um, mm-hmm. So give them a shot, you know. It really is a great time. Nice, cool. It's great to hear from both you guys on that. That's 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 fantastic. <clears throat> so that's a look back. Let's let's wrap this up, and we won't take very long. Segway master here, by the way. All right. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll uh, take a look forward. Twenty nineteen. Uh, let, let's let's simplify this. Let's just let's talk about one uh, anticipated eighteen XX title that's either published or yet to be published that you're looking forward to trying, um, or trying more perhaps. And, uh, and then maybe just like, uh, offer just a quick, Hey, do you have a goal? <clears throat> Are you hoping to make it to a convention? Are you hoping to be more regular with 18XX? Are you trying to like, yeah, something like that, you know? So yeah, hit, hit us up with one title and uh, a goal that you have for 2019. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. And Andy, why don't we just keep you going? You, you were there and now, now you can come here. So, um, what I'm really interested in, um, once again, I haven't, I've just kind of, not read a lot about it yet. Um, but I want to try the on all aboard games, the 1761 hmm. that kind of bridges the canals and the railroads. Um, I don't know. That just sounds interesting. It's like, you know, and it's, it's a different number than 18. Of course it must be tried. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, I'd really, I, I'd really dig giving that one a try. Like I want to, I want to see what that one does uniquely and differently um and so yeah that one i'm pretty interested i guess 18xx goals um i still have two games uh 18xx in my collection that i have not hit the table with um so i want to try to rectify that either online or offline but just get them done um is 1854 uh i've done 44 a number of times but for whatever reason we just haven't done 54 um, and I got a copy from a friend of mine, uh, of 1835, um, which is another one I've never played before, but it, I think it's, it's an older one kind of comes from that early, earlier lineage. Um, I did some research and found out that apparently there's some issues with the stock market or not the stock market, the, uh, initial auction that can kind of break the game, but there's like a very easy workaround to it. So I've, I've done my research. It's ready to go. Um, but yeah, I just want to get those last two played and, um, I'm, I'm trying to, to curb the amount of games I'm buying in 2019. So it's kind of the, I'm not buying another one until I get those two played for sure. So, um, that'll, that'll open it up to, to, you know, 
I don't know. We'll see if I stick to that because so far I, I tried to, you know, say that about other games I like and you know, too many have been purchased already. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I really do want to try 1761. The idea of the canals to railway switch, uh, I think that could be interesting. Cool. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so, sounds like sounds like brass, the 18XX, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what, yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Well, um, I guess I'm up then. Yeah, hit it, Tony. So um, for me, I'm really looking forward to a particular 18xx gaming convention. And um, I guess last summer, it was what I was looking forward to was Hattanooga. And uh, but it's going to turn out that I'm not going to make it to Hattanooga this year. And I'm I'm heartbroken, actually. We all are. Yeah. But I have something else going on and, uh, and and my daughter's getting married. And so that's kind of expensive. And so the wife doesn't want me to uh, (laughs) take too many journeys this year. So, um, so what we've decided to do here was we're going to throw our own 18XX convention. Nice. uh, Me and Mark and Chad and uh, Mike Carter. Um, we have started a, a 18XX convention called Trax, T-R-A-X-X. Get it? Ha, funny. Um, and, uh, and so we rented a venue. It's going to be at the end of April, 25th through the 28th here in Denver. And uh, we can fit 45 folks in there. And uh, so what we did was we said, let's compile our list of, of friends and acquaintances in the, in the hobby. And let's just send them an email saying, hey, if you guys want to buy a ticket, we're going to give you the first crack. And then, you know, a week later, we'll just open it up for uh, for the world. Figuring, man, if we sold, you know, 15 tickets, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, in six days, our friends bought every ticket. And nice. sadly, we did not have to make a public announcement because that would be <laughs> stupid to say, come to this convention that there's no tickets for. But um it's been uh, it's been amazingly received. So next year, next April, we're going to do it again, and uh, we're just going to make it bigger and just go straight Fantastic. to a public announcement. But uh, so I'm really, really, really looking forward to that. We're going to have, um, like I said, you know, 40 plus people coming around playing games. Going to make new friends, see a lot of people I've seen before at various conventions and things. So really looking forward to that. And um, you know, before before pressing the record button, we were all kind of talking about cult of the new and stuff like that. Well, that's going to be my chance for some cult of the new because there's going to be um, a couple of games there that I'm really excited to see. In addition to you know um, the, the the tried and true games that we always play, right? But um, All Aboard Games is coming, and he's bringing um, 1822 Mexico which I've seen some pictures on in, in Twitter. And that seems pretty cool. I, I really like 1822 as a game. I like the medium regional scenario as well. And this kind of looks pretty neat as well. So looking forward to trying that. And he's bringing a game called 1871, which, and I don't know if this is a theme, but that's based on also based on 1822, but it's in the Eastern United States. So um, really, um, really pumped to play some, uh, some games that are coming out uh hopefully later this year, you know, so I do like that cult of the new aspect as well as I like, you know, playing the old standards and stuff. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very much looking forward to that. And, uh, and big a, um, I do have a copy of 1761 and mm-hmm. 
I need it for tracks, but I would be happy to mail it to you in May and you can borrow it for a while. Yeah, let me check in with Trent and some others, see if I can get a game, uh, enough people to do it. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess one thing to add, because this is kind of funny, because it, it, it's <laughs> one of the moments that sticks out in 18xx for me, uh, was actually learning 1822 since you brought it up with you there at HeavyCon. Yeah. Um, because it was a moment that where I started to realize I had learned a lot about 18xx because I'd been playing online and stuff a little bit before then. And... Um, I, I had just been like you buying miners like crazy, even though you said, you know, maybe don't do that. And then at one point you're like, yeah, you know, you don't want to get too many miners. And I see Andy's ignored this advice. <laughs> and, like literally it, it took all the skills I had learned in the last two or three months playing them to not die. And so I was like, jungle trades, do this. And it was like the first time after like not taking any loans or, or bankruptcies or anything with that, that I was like, Hey, I'm actually getting better at these games. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't have been able to do that a year ago. I just been like, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's neat. Yeah. Fun, fun to see the skills increasing, right? <laughs> that's part of the mm -hmm. appeal of these games too. Neat. Neat. Yeah. I guess for myself, um, I mean, <laughs> what I'm looking forward to is also tied into my goals. Uh, Hadanuga is coming up. Tony, we will be sad that you won't be there, but we also celebrate every 18xx convention that uh, that pops up. Also, that's that's exciting and fun. Um, yeah, I mean, Hadanuga is, and I, I have to say this, <laughs> it's one of a kind. Tyler's collection is one of a kind, right? He's got, I think, he's missing. He said three or four 18xx from the catalog of published, unpublished, prototype, non-prototype. Like he's got everything under the sun, and it makes it quite a fun, a fun thing to walk into the convention and see this wall of 18xx titles, and you can play anything you want. And Tyler is one of the most generous people that you'll ever meet. That he just has opened up his collection. He calls himself an archivist, right? Yeah, <laughs> I call him order. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But I, he wants to be practical about it. And so, you know, this is partly why the convention exists. He's like, I've got this collection. I want it to be played. And I think it's awesome that someone like that is willing to say, oh, yeah, just go go play that game. Oh, it's worth, you know, 500 bucks or, you know, <laughs> whatever. But he doesn't care. He's not policing. He's just so generous in that sense. And and I think that sort of spills out into the convention itself, right? Like it's, it's exciting and fun to see all these very unique and rare titles being played. Um, one that I'm... It's not necessarily that unique or rare, but one that I'm excited about trying, which I know we've talked about, Tyler and myself and a few others, uh, hitting up at Hadanuga this year is 1841, uh, which is an old <laughs> Federico Villani uh, title. He's he's made my favorite, which is 1849. It's just brutal, absolutely brutal, crazy. I've uh, been in a couple online games where I've gone bankrupt twice in now oh it's it's so hard to time and uh 1841 the really all i know about it the wrinkle that has me fascinated is that companies can buy stocks in other companies and yes so this is this is fascinating i'm just so curious how to even imagine that it just seems like it adds layers upon layers that i won't i won't know how to use <laughs> Uh, Tony, have you played that one or? Oh yes, it's fabulous. okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. So, Vellani's a favorite. Oh yeah, Vellani's amazing. Um, 
yeah, that's it's a bit of a longer one, so that's probably why I'm you know hitting up at the con. Um, other thing I'm looking forward to, I've been playtesting and really enjoying a game called 1882 Assiniboia. And uh, it's designer Mark Voyer, who's a friend, uh, Hatanuga regular and uh, based out of Calgary. And it's in the late stage prototype. Uh, it's set in my province of Saskatchewan. Uh, before it was actually officially a province, it was sort of this region known as Assiniboia. And uh, it has some really neat little uh, dynamics going on, specifically to do with tokens. There's a national railroad that can uh, come into play, but it's completely determined by players who in each of their companies have one what's called a neutral token that they may lay, which essentially acts like a pass-through. And so you can use it both to gum up a city <laughs> so no one no one else can token in that location. But And it acts as a pass-through, so it makes the board more open, but it also sets the stage for where the national is going to operate out of. So it's a really cool mechanism. I, I actually think he's hit on something quite neat. I haven't seen a lot of games that are like, token centric if you want to call it that you know there's a lot of like focus in uh operation stock all that this kind of mm -hmm. takes the the uh the tokening dynamic and and brings it a bit front and center and i found that really interesting i mean it's often an interesting part of the game if you play it a bit cutthroat but this is this is really cool um apart from that it's fairly winsome-esque uh uses like the 18 a stripped down 1830 tile set um a bit of a stripped down train roster it's it's so it's tight fun fast um very cool privates the privates are very very interesting so yeah cool game right. i'm looking forward to playtesting that more and hopefully seeing that in a real publication at some point in time. That would be just awesome. Nice. That'd be fabulous. Tyler is coming to track, so hopefully he will drag a copy. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, he, he should, and he probably will. So. Good. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, there, there's one other goal I had this year, just because I'm almost trolling <coughs> the guy in, my, in our game group. Because uh, 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 he's a great guy, honestly. I really like him. But, like, he hates trains as a theme. <laughs> like, he, he wants nothing to do with train games. Um, but I noticed uh, Splatter back in the day did their take on 18xx, which was 1830 BC. So it's like canals or something. So apparently they've sanctioned and allowed files to be put up to make a PNP in that. So my goal is to print and play that sometime in the next few months and put it in front of him and go, no trains. <laughs> <laughs> Just, nice. just to see how he will respond. <laughs> I like it, Andy. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up here, and I just want to say a big thanks to you, uh, you two, for joining in this conversation. It's really fun to hear about, uh, yeah, some of your 2018 experiences and what you're looking forward to, and just to, I hope that we all sort of have offered a little bit of energy and excitement, and uh, yeah, a little, little window into this uh, niche of the niche, the 18xx world. Um, I think, you know, before we go, I'd love to just, uh, you know, hear from you folks. Where can people find you? Or what are you participating in in terms of media, uh, social media, that sort of a thing? Andy? Um, I, I'm i one of the, uh, God, what are we, uh, three, four? Yeah, four now. <laughs> Hosts of the Good, the Bored, and the Ugly podcasts. Um, it, it, it's an interesting one. We we really do it more for a lark than anything. We're not trying to be professional or, or, or anything like that, really. Um, but just kind of to hang out with each other, have a good time, talk about stuff, um, throw out opinions that we're all like always tremendously surprised <laughs> that anyone 
like is interested in what we're saying about it. Um, but uh, for me, like it, the, the thing that's kind of fun is we cover a pretty wide breadth of gaming that I think you don't see in a lot of podcasts because it tends to be like guys from the same game group. So typically they kind of like the same things, um, but we're pretty diverse. So like I cover all the oddball out of print 18 XX Sierra Madre weird stuff um that that's generally what i'm known for and then you have you know the guy who's like super euro game and then trent who'll sh- like play almost anything um and then now we have tc who's out in portland who's just like the more chaotic the game the better he likes it so we get kind of that and um so i don't know we get we get to some pretty lively debates of different things and whatnot but you know we all respect each other's tastes and what we like to do um so, you know, if you want to do that, I'm also pretty active on Twitter. Um, I go with at Denison Science because I'm a science teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I post <laughs> a lot on that. I have a few students who followed me thinking they were going to get like the inside dope on Mr. Denison. I'm like, you're just going to see a lot of pictures of board games you've never seen before, man. <laughs> that's all I put on, put on Twitter for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, you know, what I do. But... Cool. Tony. Uh, I'm a simple man, Luke. Uh, I don't really do too much social media. I, I do Twitter mm-hmm. and I'm at a Fryer games, a F R Y E R games on Twitter. And uh, yeah, a lot of pictures of uh, either the grandson or some train games. And uh, let's see, I'm on board game geek with a, I have a really sexy board game geek handle. It's called Tony Fryer. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. find me there too. <laughs> Fantastic. And, <laughs> The odd time as a guest appearance on a podcast. So thank yeah, you for that. Yeah, on a few here and there. It's, it's always a blast. Great, great. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Luke Heidebrecht. I'm one of the two, including Tyler, who sort of founded Hattanooga, our you know, annual train game convention. And yeah, if you're interested in learning more about Hattanooga, you can find us at www.hattanooga.ca. You got to put that C in, CA in there because we're Canadian. <laughs> and uh yeah it's coming up in may uh the may i think 17 18 19 20 this year and uh yeah it's 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 honestly such a fantastic convention i wouldn't be able to say uh, you know enough good about it if you uh want to just reach out personally of course i'm also on board game geek also with the very very good name of heidebrecht luke as my handle, which is a bit of a tease because spelling out Heidebrecht is going to be a bit of a challenge for most people. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, we, we are just, you know, at Hattanooga and uh, not to be confused with the Hattanooga hat company from the States, which has happened a few times on our Twitter account. In fact, my favorite was we got a shout out for donating to some charity. Way to go, Hattanooga. You donated to this charity. I was like, we'll take it. We'll take any publicity we can, right? <laughs> Maybe so they nice. can send you a, a consignment of uh, engineer hats for the convention. You know what? We should tap into this and make a bit of a partnership. I like that idea. <laughs> now, I am curious, Luke. Now, do 18xx players in Canada apologize before they dump a company on you? <laughs> <laughs> I think Norm will likely do that. I will, I will mostly laugh if it happens, though. <laughs> yeah, so say down here is just like, oh, you know what you want? You really want to own this. This is yes. what you want. <laughs> yes, yes. You didn't see that coming, right? So, <laughs> Oh, that's good. Okay. Well, thanks so much, guys. This has been a special edition of Cardboard Conjecture. Um, yeah, and we'll leave it at that.
We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community. And on Board Game Geek, guild number 3039.